We're not related. Oh, I forgot. Anyway, uh, we collect all okay. sorts of scraps of knowledge that we found throughout the week, and we sort of Frankenstein them together into something that we call a podcast that hopefully you're not horrified at. Were you trying to theme that towards Halloween season? No way. It's way too early for that. Uh, shut up. I've been in Halloween mode since no, August. I mean, it's way too early for us to take the show into Halloween territory. Oh. <laughs> Well, we're talking about cryptids today, which some would say are spooky. Spooky. Um, but, in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Like, I have heartburn. Mm, I got Thai Thai for dinner, not bragging. And, once again, ate it all in one sitting. And so I feel like I don't have heartburn, but I do not feel great. <laughs> I ate half of a rotisserie chicken with olives for dinner. Because... I've become a disgusting person because I live really close to a gourmet food store, but I have to walk further to go to a real grocery store. So instead, I just buy like artisanal cured olives and then eat a piece of pre-made meat and then call it a night. So you're getting a gourmet rotisserie chicken? Yeah. That sounds silly. I know. More, uh, more. It's silly that I ate a whole bunch of olives and I keep eating a bunch of olives as my as my vegetable. Yeah, that too. I had a wine soaked olive. <laughs> I had like a stuffed out like yeah. Okay. I have a problem. You do. <laughs> I have. <laughs> so um, that means your week's going great, huh? <laughs> yeah, my week's going great. Yesterday I got a very routine procedure. It was supposed to take twenty minutes and it took two hours, and they kept. Whispering outside, she's so small. I don't know what to use to numb her. She's like a smurf. It's really weird. By the way, in case you guys never met Marissa, she is three feet tall. She's very, like, you know, self-conscious about that. But just to put it out there, she's three feet tall. I'm five foot two and a half, and I recently lost a lot of weight. But I don't think I'm, like, sickly. She specifically said, you are normal body weight. But it was weird the way she said it. But I'm thin. And short. Um, but not sickly thin. Uh, did you ask me how my week was? Or did you, why am I saying this? Yeah. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Guys, do I tell my story now? Or do I tell it in some sort of weird icebreaker thing? It's up to you. Did you sort of figure out how to craft it into uh, an icebreaker question? No, I will uh, you tell me how your week was. Go ahead. Oh, I have a very short one because I decided that every week I come on this podcast and I go, my week was terrible or like I hated this week or I was so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to make a conscious effort to only talk about great things that happened to me this week. This week, I bought a muffin at work, a chocolate chip muffin. It was delicious. But when I bought it, the person gave me my money back and said, have a good night. And it was 10 o'clock in the morning. And she was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I mean, have a good day. And I was like, I'll have a good night, too. And boy, did we laugh about it. You guys are going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's I like that. Yep, I that was the it. best thing that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Today, my coworker texted me, are you busy? But by mistake, she texted me, are you bushy? But she didn't realize it for a really long time. <laughs> and she was mortified. 
Because we're coincidentally talking about, like, birth control and IUDs. Okay. So it could have seemed like she was referring to improper things. Yes, yes. Icebreaker. Pete, you don't have to tell me the weirdest, because I'm sure that they'll get dark with anyone. But tell me a weird thing that has sucked you in in the internet. Like the latest one you remember. I don't have a latest one that I remember, but I don't know. Are you part of the contingent that constantly reminds me of this? Because I swear to God, I don't even remember it happening, but people keep telling me (laughs) that I sent them dinosaurs (laughs) (laughs) having sex with cars, tailpipes, and I don't remember this at all. moment where he claims it didn't happen but this moment where he was like fixated on dinosaurs sticking their no, penises don't say fixated on <laughs> I would have discovered it sent it to someone because I thought it was funny and weird and that was it it's not like every day I came home from work I like I ooh like I gotta find some dino I feel like we talked about it anyway he sent these animated pictures not animated these, these well not obviously not photographs <laughs> these pictures why is that so obvious these, oh, I'm sorry. The word I was looking for is illustrations of dinosaurs sticking their penises in the tailpipes of cars. And you could kind of see the penises and, like, shoving into the tailpipe. And I was just like, the hell is this, man? <laughs> I wasn't like, yeah, give me that. I was like, what? And I think it was traumatizing. I think you sent it to multiple people. No, no, no. Not in, like, a harassing kind of way. But just, like, a, isn't this weird kind of way. And it was one of those things where, like, yeah, that's the kind of weird you don't share with other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Thank you. That was a good answer to mine. Because what I'm gonna share, I, you know what? I don't even think I don't even think I'm gonna be able to describe it well. Um, because I'm gonna try to try to censor it subconsciously. Uh, but yeah, like what I'm gonna say, I probably shouldn't have shared it. And I felt very uncomfortable after a while. And I was like, but I need to tell someone. And I was like, but then how do I explain how I got here? So I am really into ASMR, guys. I suffer from anxiety. I, and thought, ASMR, about, I thought about doing our show opening like that. Like what? Like really close to the microphone. <laughs> oh, I would like that. And like Why whispering. Why are my parents calling me? No. Because they ah. love you. I'm so sorry. I tried to hang up on my mom. Yeah, and it hung up on me. Yeah. Do we need to start over, or is it okay? Or Marissa, I just have to tell you, like, here's this is another part of this, because you've reminded me that this happened in the past. We're just going back a bit. You've reminded me that this has happened in the past, but each time I try to relocate those images to verify that they're real, I cannot find them. And it makes me feel like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> I would help you, but I don't want to. Want to. I understand. <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> I found out today, I have safety search on Twitter. Someone tried to send me Rick and Morty anime. I don't know why, because I don't watch Rick and Morty. And it was just like, 
this is sensitive material. In order to watch this, you need to change your settings. And I was like, did I child lock myself? Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I changed the search terms. They're out there. They're definitely out there in a variety of methods. <laughs> so, are okay. they illustrations or are they, they are people dressed like them? Illustrations, um, but I would go so far as to say artistic representation. <laughs> Some of them look like they're painted. Like, that high quality. <laughs> Should I Google it, or will I be traumatized? Um, I'll say my favorite is a silhouette of a dinosaur against a sunset with basically a, the back of a car coming out of its crotch. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want to correct you. They were not dinosaurs. They were all dragons. Okay. So maybe that was they my were, problem. Yeah, they were dragons sticking Looking for the wrong <laughs> Looking for the wrong Yeah, keyword. no, they were not dinosaurs. They were not like a stegosaurus and a brontosaurus. <laughs> they were all different colored dragons. So, Marissa, what's your weird thing that you uh, shared inadvertently? Okay, so I like ASMR a lot. Right, Even that's right. Even though I made fun of it in a past episode. Then, through my research, I found out how much I love it. Yeah. And when I'm stressed or sad, I just will watch ASMR for a very long time. Well, whether it's eating or... I don't watch the slime. Just mostly eating No, or because you're, you're working with slime firsthand. Yeah, actually, I bought a whole bunch of slime. My brother gave me two slimes. I have, like, two custom slimes and two Boris store-bought slimes. Um, and um, where am I going? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to a very – I listen to, like, tapping ASMR and sometimes feel like brushing a microphone with a makeup brush. I listen to a lot of ASMRs. And all of a sudden, I, I, I saw a Korean ASMR. Uh, and if you haven't listened to past episodes, I've lived in Korea. I, I miss Korea. I've, I, I, I'm really into Korean stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I just clicked on one, and then, like, you know, it recommends other ones. And it was, like, twin AS, twin Korean ASMR. And it was this, like, double-sided microphone. And these two pretty Korean guys, like, it looked like it was trying to be, like, erotic, in my opinion. Like, they were both whispering on either side of the microphone, which plays into, like, a weird, like, twin trope that I see in a lot of things. Yes, yes. And I was like, we've heard about We've heard about this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I clicked it because I knew it was just some whispering. I know they were going to, like, do it. So it was like, I don't know. I'll see what this is. And then it, like, recommended a lot of other cringe. This is what we call a clickhole listener. Yeah. So that was like Korean ASMR roleplay. ASMR roleplay. I don't want to. I wanted to tell the story, but now I'm like embarrassed to finish my story. It was like boyfriend gave me a hickey in a cafe. That was like the title. And it was like, what does that even mean? I wasn't like, yeah. I was like, what does that mean? So it's like half an hour, and I'm like, oh, what is this? So it's it's someone, it's Korean, but there's English subtitles, and it just starts like, like, oh, you look so cold in Korean. Like, why are you wearing such thin clothes? Do you, do you need a sweater? And it's just like banal conversation. <laughs> and it's eventually like, oh, you still look cold. Let me sit next to you and hug you. And I was like, all right, it just seems like you're trying to be your boyfriend. And then eventually it's just like, like, oh, yes, you can put your hands under my shirt. And long story short, without me verbatim giving you all the hits from that half hour <laughs> thing. 
think we can was, finish that ourselves. It was like cybering, but without the sex. At the end, at the end, they're just making out. But mind you, it's ASMR, so it's not like I kiss you because it's like it's like you are in the situation. So I see. Like, so it's you like, are the I'll call it victim in this situation. Yeah, because by the end, oh my god. So, but like halfway through, he's like, "I will kiss your neck," and I was like, "Oh, that sounds real stupid <laughs> with no person attached." But then, oh my gosh! So then, he's like, "What? You want me to kiss you more?" So then, you're like, "What does it sound?" And then you're, it's supposed to emulate. No, it's supposed to be the sound of open mouth kissing. Mm -hmm. But I was like, what is he doing on the other end to make that noise? And it's going for like five minutes nonstop, like a weird, like saliva-y movement sound. And it's just like, it's real weird. And then I'm like, but I like listened to the whole thing. And then I was like, but like, what are the role plays are there? And I was like reading that person's once, and it was like, boyfriend role play, like, forgiveness, boyfriend role play, putting lotion on your back. But, and there were, long story short, I'm going to stop because I feel like I should do some <laughs> whole show about this. Uh, actually, maybe I'll do a show about this. So let this be a background for a show that might come in the future. But, uh, I, I found weirder ones, and I found, of course, not safe for work ones that I then stopped because I was like, oh, no, it's just going to friggin' chat room in World of Warcraft and cyber with someone. <laughs> but but the fascination, the fascinating point is, again, it's not like, it's not like it was like cybering, it was like ASMR. So it was all whispers, it was all slow talking, and all of the sounds were like repeated in like a, a way to like, do the thing ASMR does, which like soothes you and like like gives you calm. And I was like, this is so weird. And yeah, I'll stop talking about it. But I I got embarrassed. I wanted to show my friend, but then I was like, I don't want to show her. No, yeah, this. see. And then I was like, am I connected on the cloud with my parents' computer at all? Because I don't want anyone. To, and then I I don't think I am, but we'll see. So um. Because once my cousin took a nude picture for her husband, and she was on the cloud with her parents, and her dad saw it. She's a grown woman, but it's still not cool. Uh, so, yeah. That's my story. I'm sorry, guys. That was a very long icebreaker. I just felt like, I feel like I can tell you guys the truth. Well, yeah, and you can't you can't tell anyone else, so. No, but my brother doesn't listen to this anymore, so I'm good. Even though I kind of feel like what I'm going to talk about today it's like a tribute to my brother, so it's a shame he it's a shame he doesn't listen, and that I wouldn't send him this episode because of what I just said. So, guys, my brother, who by the way, like urged us to start this podcast, and then abandoned us. Yeah, exactly. My brother is an artist and a storyteller. Uh, he has made up a lot of tales when I was a child that struck fear into my heart. That I don't know if he knows that they had the effect that they did. My brother is 11 years older than me. Um, some examples. He made up this woman called the Goat Woman that he said if I looked out the window, she would probably come and kidnap me, maybe kill me. I don't remember. And, you know, a story is something in itself, but since he's an artist, he also drew very detailed, well-shaded, well-drawn <laughs> renditions of her. And he drew, like, two versions. He drew, like, a, like a 
like a beautiful version of her and then he drew like a horrifying version where like her face was like half demon half goat and like i would look out the window and like visualize his drawings uh he also convinced me which my mother only found out maybe in the last year and was very upset with my brother who's now 44 uh he convinced me i was adopted and that my real mother was a gorilla and that and given was, given the fact that your parents didn't know when your birthday was <laughs> yeah guys there's something to that my parents <laughs> had the wrong birthday for me for like i don't know eight to ten years <laughs> also i don't have a real birth certificate i have a certificate of birth which apparently is not the same thing and almost maybe not be able to get a passport <laughs> so you know my life is shrouded in a little bit of mystery anyway I used to play piano, and my pian- and my keyboard used to be next to this big window. And my brother would tell me that if I looked out the window, one day my real mother would come get me and take me back to my real home, which was in a garbage can. And sometimes I'd be home alone, and when I was home alone, I would sit only in rooms where I could not look at that window. It was horrifying. I really thought my mother was going to get me, my, my quote-unquote mother. Now I have to cut um, in. You guys need to realize, Carlos is super nice. It's not like some big, you know, tank top wearing, douchey older brother who's trying to scare the crap out of his little sister. <laughs> like, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, my brother's one of the sweetest, like, kindest, most sincere people I've ever known in my life. <laughs> but then there's <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Um, so, that's just some background, okay? From there, I just want to mention, um, I was on Facebook the other day, and someone we're friends with, me and Pete, uh, is Bernie. I don't know if you saw it. He posted something about how he had a dream that a bunyip was attacking him. Did you see that post by any chance? Nope, I don't check Facebook very much. Okay, so he said something about the bunyip, and I don't know what a bunyip is. Do you? I didn't. Yeah. Okay, I I didn't. I know what one is now. Now, what uh, what was the post again? It was something like, I had a dream last night that a bunyip did something, something. And it was like a scary dream. That sounds like Bernie. Yeah. And the thing is, I had no idea what a bunyip is. But the moment I read that, flooding back into my mind as if it was a repressed memory, was I remember my brother as, I think, a teenager. And I think I even recall as an adult him doing this, singing to me. The bunyip's gonna get you. And I was like, huh, I forgot that was a thing. What does that (laughs) mean? And I was like, really troubled by it. Because I was like, yeah, my brother used to sing that the bunyip was gonna get me. (laughs) So I googled the bunyip's gonna get you song. And the video popped up from the 1977 Australian animated (laughs) film dot in the kangaroo which i remember and my brother still talks about it this day this was a very influential very impactful film in his life it was this cartoon with animated people like transposed i don't know if that's the right word like transposed over real scenery like real life scenery okay and it was an emotional story about a girl who loses her parents and she's like a kangaroo takes with the girl as her child but then i think they're separated again at the end and like oh kind of like you and your gorilla mom Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it, it it was like a it's it has a very like tragic end. The stayed with my brother, 
Um, so before I let you hear the song that was repressed in my mind, uh, actually, I had never heard the original song. I had always just heard my brother's rendition. Uh, anyway. Oh, by the way, backtrack. I wish I had put this in the beginning. I wish your brother's was like a hip hop remix. I only knew the remix. I didn't know there was an original. (laughs) I will say his doesn't match up with the melody, but also there was a lot of songs that my brother sang to me as a kid that like were stuck in my mind and I didn't know were real songs. For example, the Ramon song Pet Cemetery. When I was a child, my brother would just be singing, I don't want to get buried in a pet cemetery. And I was on a date last year, and the song went on, and I was like, what the fuck? This is a real song. Oh, my God. And I was on, like, a second date with someone. I was like, no, you don't understand. I thought my brother made this song up. Anyway. Anyway. Let's go back to the internet. Okay. So these are some people talking about the Bunyip song in that movie. Uh, The first person's quote is, the first time I saw Dot and the Kangaroo it was a rainy afternoon. I was grooving to the story. Can you a read it girl... with an Australian accent for us? <laughs> Wait, I gotta like get up to it though. Like, shrimp on the bobby. Just pick one of them. Maybe the other one's shorter. <laughs> no, they're both kind of low. Okay. A young girl named Dot. No, that's not okay. Go it. back to your accent. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> a young girl named Dot strays from her family and hangs out with talking marsupials of Australia until it takes an alarming turn to introduce us to the bunyip. The somber song is definitely 1970s. And while that offered a decent creep out factor, I was terrified of the bunyip's teeth. I braved the whole sequence, but a sense of release washed over me when it was over. And the second person's description of the bunyip scene is, the scene starts with a Nick Cave-esque piano intro playing while animated turtles swim over real-life footage of a creek in the outback. Suddenly, a hand emerges from the water, then an arm, then an entire aboriginal dreamtime monster. The scene is accompanied by an eerily lilting song called Bunyip Moon, and it lulls you into a false sense of calm as the bunyip rampages the bush, chasing people, dingoes, and kangaroos through trees. The whole thing has the feel of a beautiful nightmare as the bunyip curls around the moon and appears in campfires and transforms into a bird. The true moment of terror is at the very end, when the bunyip face starts to decompose and transform into a cave painting. That's two seconds that will stay with you for a very very long time so i urge you all to watch the video i'm going to play part of the song but i feel like you should watch the very 70s video okay i fast forwarded a little bit because i want us to get to the chorus which is the part my brother would sing so you're missing a little bit of the of the intro there's apparently your nick cave style piano i don't know who (laughs) nick cave is Oh, I thought I fast forwarded. It would be shocking to most listeners if they met you that you wouldn't open the cave. Well, oh well. Can you hear it? Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay. 
thousand years old. Four thousand. So you better come home quickly, and you better have So as you could tell, the melody my brother would sing it in was off, because he should have said, and the bunyard's going to get you, <laughs> but instead he did it in a different way. Historically, Carlos is, you know, uh, he's he's uh, too embarrassed of how great his voice actually is. He, he just <laughs> yeah. didn't want to let his range show. Exactly. <laughs> uh, also, I realize that this presentation of today is half just a story about my brother and then half about the bunyip. So what the hell is a bunyip, Okay. The Bunyip is a large mythological creature from Australian Aboriginal mythology said to lurk in swamps, billabongs, creeks, and waterholes. The Bunyip was in Aboriginal folklore for numerous centuries before it actually made its debut in written records of European settlers. And originally the monster went by a different name. Like, depending on the tribe, they would have a different name. Mm -hmm. It had been called the Wowie Wowie. The Yalu, the Dongu, and many more. <laughs> but it was the Europeans that got Mar- their hands. Marissa like, said Dongu. <laughs> <laughs> the Europeans listed all these different um, stories and picked the one name that was used the most throughout, which was the Bunyip. Now, descriptions of the Bunyip actually vary so much that scholars believe he might be like a catch-all for like an assortment of different mythical monsters in different regions. Um, He's been described as everything from a giant starfish to a crocodile with a dog-like head. Uh, People have also said maybe it has feathers, tusks, fins, a duckbill, a horsetail, one single massive eye, uh, or a stomach mouth. The only thing that carries through between all the different legends of the bunyip is that he's big enough to eat a person. Um, cool. So the word bunyip, apparently, according to what I was reading... I was expecting some sort of rabbit element. Why? Because of bun. I thought it was going to be like a bunny. Oh. Uh, For some reason, it makes me think of a turnip. Bunyip. It's a bunny and a turnip. I will say, like, me saying that... (laughs) It's a hairy turnip. (laughs) Me saying that a bunyip could be anything makes it kind of, like, boring, but I would urge you to Google bunyip. I started, I was going, while I was waiting for you to be ready, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll start doing some Googling so that I can start on the show cover picture. But I saw so many variations of what the bunyip looks like. I didn't read anything about it, but I saw so many variations on what it looked like. I was like, I wonder which one Marissa is going to talk about. Um. So if you were to pick a picture of the bunyip, the one that I like the best and the one, so I've seen a lot of different ones. Um... I would say that like falls into three camps. One might look like a weird alligator uh, with horrifying teeth. Um, another one looks like just like a really like abstract kind of hairy like just like a dragony sea creature. But the one I like the best and that I find the creepiest for some reason, it looks like a gigantic black panther that lives in the water. And when you mm-hmm. Google Bunyip, it's one of the first pictures that comes up. It's like this gigantic panther-looking thing with a human in its mouth. And I think that's the picture in the YouTube, um, not YouTube, in the Wikipedia, and I love yes. it. That one creeps me out. Um, 
So apparently, according to my sources, Bunyip means devil or evil spirit in the Aboriginal language. Um, but Native Australians tend to disagree about the creature's like the way the creature acts. Some think it's evil, some think it's not. Um, he has a monstrous appearance and booming cries, uh, which are like said to like nightmarishly echo across Australia. Um, and he's said to eat a lot of people or hug them to death. But there I'm are sorry, what was that, that? Either hug people to death or you eat them. you are saying hug people to death. That's what it said. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I don't know that it means lovingly or if it just means like embrace it to well, suffocate. Well, yeah, squeeze him to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah squeeze, that, that's better. That's what it said verbatim. I believe um, you. But, You're a better writer than that. <laughs> but some people describe the bunyip as a sort of benevolent protector of Australia's wildlife, and he's not really a predator. So different people like to see the bunyip in different ways. So I like, usually when you hear of these, like, what are they called? Cryptids, right? Yes. Yeah. When you hear of cryptids, like... The proof is, like, people just thought they saw it or they made pictures of it or they have, like, really stupid videos that might look like they've been faked. But documented evidence of the bunyip is usually um, linked to fossils and bones, which I found cool. Um, The earliest documented evidence of the bunyip is a set of huge, mysterious bones found by an explorer in 1818. The explorer himself didn't think it was the bunyip, but uh, he thought it might have been a manatee or a hippopotamus. But scholars in the area um, thought it was definitely what the Aborigine people described. Uh, and the Philosophical Society of Australia uh, offered to pay the, the explorer to return to the lake and uh, bring the skeleton to them. But he, the explorer didn't want to because I think he, he just didn't like where their agenda was. In 1830, another set of bones was unearthed in a Wellington cave, um, and an anatomist, Sir Richard Owen, uh, identifies these bones belonging to a giant marsupial species, and again, people thought it might be the bunyip. I'll go past some, but basically, all throughout the 1800s, they keep finding fossils that they think was the bunyip. Uh, In 1847, a bizarre skull was found and attributed to the bunyip, but after some times, experts decided it was actually a deformed fetal calf. But for some reason, it was accepted into the Australian Museum in Sydney, and it was displayed as a concrete evidence of the bunyip, which I think is awesome. Um, But the display was really popular, and it was eventually stolen from the museum. Uh, After the 1800s, no one was, like, claiming they found the bunyip anymore. Um, most Australians today believe that the, you know, the bunyip is purely mythological. Um, but there are a few cryptozoologists that still cling to those fossils that were found and say that the bunyip exists. The most popular theory surrounding the bunyip is that it might have actually been, um, a, like, prehistoric animal called the Diprotodon which was a giant marsupial, which had been extinct in Australia for over 46,000 years, uh, and that fossils of the Diprotodon mm-hmm. were actually the bun- were what people thought was the bunyip. And uh, passionate believers claim that maybe that marsupial actually still lurks in Australia, while like people who aren't, you know, like off-the-wall believers 
think that maybe, you know, just word about this being, you know, was passed through cultures and just passed on and people still believe in it now. Um, and random note, um, oops, random note, um, the monster's name was also picked up to have some political connotation. Uh, it can be used as a derogatory term to belittle political movements that are made up of quote-unquote imposters. So during the 1850s, it was used to mock the Bunyip aristocracy, a group of European settlers who wanted to create a new class in Australian society. And in the 1930s, the word Bunyip was used to attack the Liberal Party in Australia. So Pete, that is the Bunyip. That was my repressed memory that emerged at age 20. What? I think I'm 20? I'm sorry, 32. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It seems odd, though. Like, the bunyip also seems to be... When I was looking for pictures, I accidentally found, like, four children's books. Yes! <laughs> starring a bunyip, well, including see, my favorite... I think it's a benevolent protector. I think Alexander Bunyip is one of the... Gloop the Gloomy Bunyip. <laughs> which is my favorite, because he's gloomy. And that book, if anybody wants to purchase it and send it to us, costs five hundred dollars on Amazon. Oh my god! But when shipping you, is shipping is free. When we get off, I'm gonna send you another picture of the bunny that I'm sure you saw. It's something somebody like made. I feel very uncomfortable. I just want to stop for a moment and say, seventies <laughs> like puppets and like animatronics and just. Things people made in the 70s are sometimes so horrifying. And it's like original Bunyip for all you retro kitties. And I don't know what I'm looking at, but definitely like it's a creation of something for maybe a TV show. And I think it's scarier than any historical like picture. <laughs> I, I think this, this, this is going to haunt me tonight. Now, listeners, you're going to hear an unusual amount of similarity between what Marissa just talked about and what I'm going to talk about. Um, but before I start, Marissa, anything else to add? I'm sorry, I just, is oh, it funny it's not oh. puppets and something else, but go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> go ahead, I'm going to stop talking about bunyips. You sure? This is just something I'm going to look at in terror for hours after we hang up, because I'm getting tipsy. Well, if you, listener, heard the Vorophilia episode... Family favorite! ...and thought, I hope to never hear Pete talk about cannibalism again... Um, I am very sorry to disappoint you because today I'm going to tell you all about a cryptid uh, that sort of lands at the bottom of a lot of people's lists of cryptids, and it's not just because alphabetically it starts with a W. Let's talk about the Wendigo. Marissa, I've heard of it, by the do way. you know anything about the Wendigo? No, I just know I've heard of it. It sounds like wind in Native American folklore. Right. So this is a really great... Um, example of how I screw up topics all the time because I picked something that is so audibly complicated to, to explain. Uh, we have two situations happening here. One is the Windigo and the other is the Wendigo. Oh. One is spelled W-I-N and one is spelled W-E-N. Regardless okay. of spelling, the translation of it is often cited as the evil spirit that devours mankind. And just like you said, there's a lot of different names for the Wendigo, depending on what tribe people might belong to or something like that. Yeah. The Wendigo is what I'm going to talk about first, um, and that is actually a spirit, okay? Okay. 
So the big reveal is kind of out of the way. Um, let's just get to the cannibalism. The Wendigo comes from a variety of legends, all in northern U.S. or Canada, regions okay. that have long, cold, bitter winters. As it goes, Wendigos... Um, I can't remember the right word because the guy said... I'm sorry, can you say as Wendigos goes? As it goes, Wendigos. <laughs> Thank you. That, as far as Wendigos goes, <laughs> I found... Uh, somebody online, it was only in one article, and I swear, guys, I've read like 23 articles about this, but one person insisted that the plural of Wendigo is Wendigog. No! <laughs> I'm not doing that for this. I feel like the plural of Wendigo is just Wendigo. There were five Wendigo on, on the street. So what happens is, um, it's a long, bitter winter. We have holed up in a cabin. So that we can make it through to the other side, you know, when there's... Are we uh, role-playing right now? No. Definitely not. <laughs> because I'm going to eat you if we're role-playing. Okay. So, we've run out of food. There's no food around. Uh, all the all the plants are dead. All the animals are dead or they've gone someplace warm. And I am getting hungry. So, I eat a friend of mine. And in a way... I relate to the Wendigo a little bit this way because after you eat human, after it, I should say, eats human flesh, mm-hmm. it can never be satiated again. It just constantly needs to keep eating human flesh. I'm sorry. It constantly has a desire to eat human flesh, but even when it does, it's not satisfied. <laughs> like eat a whole human or just like eat its flesh off of it? Uh, usually the whole human. Yeah, okay. because here's the thing, right? Like if you're ever oh, watching, like orophilia, like it, 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 it yearns consuming, to the whole human whole. Not consuming the whole human, but okay. here's the thing. Oftentimes, when I watch some uh, horror slash sci-fi movie where there's like, say, a giant tiger chasing people down, when it catches mm-hmm. one person and it eats that person, I'm like, why is the tiger still going after more people? Like it ate that person. It should be full, right? Yeah, but the, yeah. The Wendigo is never satisfied, no matter how much it eats. So. After I eat a person, I am now possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo. And the belief in this situation was so commonplace through Native American cultures that psychologists actually created a category called Wendigo psychosis. Uh, It's a diagnosable, cultural-bound mental disorder in which patients believe that they are turning into a Wendigo because of insatiable hunger. And I have... I have... So many times felt like... And you have it? Sometimes I felt so hungry where I go like... I'm a Wendigo! I haven't thought of a Wendigo, but I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'm like a vampire now, and like, <laughs> like nothing is going to satisfy me except human blood or something like that. <laughs> You're a clown. I know, yeah. So, I found research papers on this, and Marissa, I knew that you would love this the best. Okay. Describing the onset of Wendigo psychosis. Wendigo psychosis. Wendigosis. <laughs> The onset is withdrawal into melancholia. Been there. Uh, He lies inert, said to be brooding over possibilities of cannibalism, wanting to eat men, and yet afraid. His family around him looks to him like luscious beavers, heavy with fat. (laughs) What? He neither eats nor sleeps and seems insensible to all about. The next stage is that of violence, which may follow almost immediately 
or only after a considerable period. Now, this is from Ruth Landis. It's from a piece uh, that she wrote in 1938 called The Abnormal Among the Ojibwa Indians in the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology. The beginning of it seems unnecessarily poetic. Yes, yes. Like, I feel like you should have paused between each sentence and, like, had an affectation of some sort. It should be noted the violence part that she describes according to the paper that I read, only happened in two of the patients that she studied. So I think she was kind of like trying to sauce it up a little bit for everybody. As time progressed, though, uh, the popularity, if we want to use that word, of Wendigo psychosis failed. Many believe this is because the legend wasn't as strong because food and preservation of food is more readily available. And as Native American cultures started to integrate more with let's say, colonial-slash-American culture, uh, the legends sort of fell off in strength. By the way, cultural bound mental disorders are amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, continue. Uh, one of the most referenced stories about Wendigo psychosis, just to kind of finish this idea up, um, there's actually a couple that I wanted to tell you about, but I promise I'll keep it short. Um, there's, this guy named, there's this guy named Swift Runner. He's a Canadian trapper. Um, not like rappers like he's talk a trap about music artist. Not like rap music <laughs> talk about trapper. He's Guys, a trapper. I still meaning, don't know what trap is. He traps animals and then sells them so that people can skin them for meat and furs and stuff like that. This is the winter of 1878. But here's the thing that happened with Swift Runner. He and his family are starving, and his son dies just in the house. He doesn't eat his son. His son just dies. Uh, then he kills his wife and five other children and eats all of them. Because? Because he's hungry? I don't really know. It's believed that since there was emergency food and supplies only 25 miles away from him, that him eating his family was not a result of him eating them out of necessity so that he could stay alive as a last resort. It was rather Wendigo psychosis. Mm -hmm. Um, He was hanged for the crime. He didn't really get a chance to... Exp- I mean, they say that he uh, admitted to the crime, but I don't know that he admitted to their diagnosis, per se. Well, I mean, how would you? Can you be self-aware of psychosis? Interesting. Know. It brings up a good question, because the next person I want to tell you about is Jack Fiddler. Um, Jack Fiddler <laughs> claimed to kill 13 Wendigos in his life. And then one day, he killed a woman who he claims was turning into a Wendigo. <laughs> but... I hate a lot of, him. A lot of people didn't buy that. <laughs> so uh, they, yeah, valid. <laughs> so they arrested him and his brother slash partner. I forget his name. I really I'm wa- sorry. Like romantic? Not, not romantic partner. Okay. No, he was like his, his business partner. They both went, and get, ran, went around killing Wendigos. By the okay. way, this dude is 78 years old when this happens. Oh, um, my gosh. Jack actually kills himself while he's in jail. He doesn't want to face the music. He kills himself. But his brother... Uh, was actually granted a pardon on the crime. Unfortunately, since this was 1907, word traveled so slowly that he actually died in prison before he found out he was uh, going to be released. So that was a bit of a bummer. But also, kind of like, I don't feel so bad, uh, given the circumstances. So you may be asking yourself, listener, what does this have to do with cryptids? Well, now we get into the Wendigo, W-E-N. What do you mean, what does it have to do with cryptids? It's not real. 
Okay, first, I was just using that as a transition. And oh. secondly, neither is the bunyip. What are you talking about? But I know. I thought you were trying to say that one was real, and now we're going to talk about a cryptid. No, no, no. We just talked about the spirit. Now we're going to talk about the, oh, oh, the oh, oh. physical... That what? is real, but now it's a Wendigo. When you start looking at up Wendigo, you find a lot of pictures and things like that. The thing that was bumming me out about every single cryptid that I went to look for is that they all seemed humanoid to me, and it really bummed me out to the fact Ooh, that I was I was that actually is weird. I, are you looking at a Wendigo? Ah, uh, yes, but when I Google it, it says Wendigo or Wendigo, like they're interchangeable. But I'm yeah. seeing this. There's different variations, but the one that's horrifying has antlers. Right. So, um, he, it's not the coolest cryptid out there, but it looks uh, like since, horrifying. It, since it comes from legends, it sort of, Ooh. again, just like yours, feels sometimes more like a dragon or a unicorn uh, and less like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. But there are different representations of the Wendigo. Ooh. Ooh. Um and they do take on animal-like qualities because they are of nature. Now, it's interesting. Marissa, what did you mention about the bunyip? Oh, people consider it a what What kind of spirit? Benevolent. That was the word. Oh, yeah, used. yeah, yeah. There's a different legend that the Wendigo was actually a spirit that was summoned and sort of put into a man who, because there was a tribe that was in danger... And they needed basically like a super soldier who could kick everybody's ass and take them all out. And so they sort of conjured the spirit of the Wendigo and it took over this particular man. But then he was so powerful and he was so insatiable. Uh, it's not the right use of the word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, afterwards that he was uh, sort of cast aside from his tribe because they kind of didn't know what to do with him. So mm -hmm. there is actually one sliver of this in which the Wendigo is a benevolent creature. But I'm going to talk about this monster-looking thing, okay? There are varieties across the map. Some liken it to skinwalkers. Some say Sasquatch. But the general description is that it's big. Uh, one estimate says 15 feet tall at least. Ugh. Most depictions have them. That's three Marissas, by the way. Um, <laughs> big things. Oh, God. I can go into... <laughs> Uh, void. Oh, they're so scary. <laughs> and I was so annoyed with the humanoid thing that I was trying to look for underwater slash sea cryptids, but I knew Marissa would be so freaked out that I was like, I'm just going to abandon this. I'm so freaked out, but it's one of those things where, like, I want to get past it, so, like, I want right. to, like, go so much into it and see it and face my fears, but then it's going to haunt me, so let's do that in the future. Let's talk about undersea cryptids so I could be tormented but free well next week i would actually like to talk uh, about something related to that peripherally but we'll talk after the show now most depictions have him having antlers by the way i'm just going to make it a him uh have him having antlers uh some have skulls uh, for head a little sexist just for this paragraph <laughs> <laughs> uh because i actually did go through the trouble of making the rest of this gender neutral <laughs> okay um to have skulls for heads some have hooves for feet Many stand on two legs and have exposed rib cages. Some say they have owl eyes. Some say they have sunken eyes. Some say they have fangs. Some say they have a long, creepy tongue. They're all emaciated and they are sickly skinny. And Guys, appearance... you really got to Google it. The first <laughs> picture that comes up is amazing. It is so creepy. It is so awesome. It is so like what I want out of a monster. <laughs> and if, if, <laughs> if that's not enough. Uh, if you're a person who's like, oh, 
you know, visuals don't, you know, freak me out oh, so much. Oh, visuals. Don't, do that <laughs> when you say it, please. Oh, visuals don't creep me out so much. Um, okay. Then don't worry about it because the Wendigo also smells like what it is, rotting flesh. Okay. You can also hear the Wendigo. Let me bring up a... Every an, night? Like when? I want to hear an it. allegedly captured sound of a real Wendigo. I know. Who does, man? That guy's my favorite. Yeah, that's not what I imagine it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds almost like a pig squealing, but like in a lot of pain. Uh, but if you watch the video, it doesn't look like a pig squealing that is running away. But my favorite is the guy who goes, where's the exit? Where's the exit? <laughs> How about, let's get the f*** out of here. Uh, but Side note. Have you found any bad movies about Wendigos? Absolutely, Marissa. That's what got oh, me yeah. into this. I saved yeah. it for the end, though. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about you, Marissa, but you're wondering to yourself, man, if this thing exists, how am I going to kill it? Well, uh, the way that you kill a Wendigo is just as varied as the description. Some say you have to burn it, but you can't just set its arm on fire. You have to make sure you burn the whole thing. Okay. If you just say burn a little bit of it, it's just going to be mad. So you have to engulf the entire body in flames. But if something is a killer and is super hungry, you have to get pretty close in order to set something on fire. And so yeah. a lot of people are like, you don't stand a chance at setting a Wendigo in, on fire unless you plan some elaborate Scooby-Doo prank or, or like scheme <laughs> or something like that. Um, in many cases, though, they lean on this particular theory that the Wendigo has a frozen heart which you can stab um, or shoot Ooh. with silver. This is my favorite description of how to kill a Wendigo. Use silver, bullets, or blades, and pierce the frozen heart so that it shatters. Take the shattered pieces and put them in a silver box, then bury that in a church cemetery. Use a silver-plated blade to cut up the body and bury it in various locations or burn it and scatter the ashes into the wind. If you mess any of this up, you are stuck with a Wendigo haunting you. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. So if you listen to us from the beginning, you will know that, yes, Peter's right. I, of course, was thinking, how do I kill it? But what he's missing is that I would also want to know, how do I become one? You become one by eating a human, Marissa. <laughs> okay. Did I miss that? Did you say that already? Well, that's how the spirit... Uh, affects the human, and that's, but that's sort of the whole human or a piece of a human. I guess you'll just have to try a piece and see how far it goes. Oh, the dark web. There's like a real, there's like a link, but not like a complete link between the guy who eats his family turning into this particular monster, because he can't be satiated, and eventually, like they just, you know, there's a disconnect there of how you get from human into monster. But so, did everyone in the Darner party become the Wendigo? No, because they were eating out of necessity. Oh, except like, for that one guy. But otherwise, yeah. <laughs> so he did. But here's the thing. Um, to me, what makes a Wendigo such a pain, what I find the most annoying about it, is that <laughs> when it's cold outside, I'm already like uncomfortable and I don't want to move around, even though that's supposed to keep you warm. This thing can live in any cold condition. And so 
you're going to get tired, you're going to get sleepy, you're going to get hungry, like all these things are going to affect you before this thing even bats an eye. Mm-mm. If it, I, I, okay, I'm going to try to slip this in without you latching onto it. It travels in the wind, uh, is a vicious, raging, animalistic killer. <laughs> and so, How does you, it, quote, travel in the wind. Okay, so we're going to get into the but movie. <laughs> we're going to get into the movie in a little bit. Thank you. Time to go! As I said, I meant to stay longer, but I guess. <laughs> some people have said, Marissa, that nobody could see what I was doing. Pete couldn't, right? Because my arms are under the vantage point, but just know it's real dumb. Continue. Some people say that the because the Wendigo is so thin, you sometimes can't see it until it turns to face you and like attack oh, you. Actually, rather the doctor, I heard them say, <laughs> "She's so thin. How do we number?" I think she's a Wendigo. <laughs> they, they said that when I was getting my procedure. Yeah, especially with that hair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Wendigo sightings are not always with eyes. See, a lot of times people say if you see the Wendigo, it's already too late. People attribute a carnal scream that sort of, you know, bounces, you know, echoes throughout the woods, just like you described with the bunyip. Yeah. Um, but they also say that you can smell it coming because it is essentially a walking corpse. There are sightings, though, and you can find them on YouTube. They look like the sightings look like they could be any number of different things. Um, but that shouldn't really be a shock because there are so many different descriptions of it. You know, <laughs> you can't point to one thing and say that's a Wendigo because, you know, there are so many different descriptions. So I really wanted to dig deep on a cryptid for this episode, but it's really hard to find one worth talking about. Because between hoaxes and stories about, you know, stories from people seeking attention like, ooh, I saw a Wendigo, um, <laughs> it's hard to believe any of the complete volumes of accounts, you know, of anything like Bigfoots or Jackalopes or Sea Monsters or anything like that. But here's what I like about the Wendigo. What's a the, Jackalope? A Jackalope. Uh, that sounds familiar, but it's just... You a- might remember it from Full House. But um, it's a mythical creature that uh, is a rabbit, basically. With it's a uh, mixture of a yeah. of a jackrabbit and an antelope, right? Mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. like sometimes with feathers and things too. I know that it's not, but gosh, I wish Ugh. it was a jack o' lantern and an antelope. <laughs> That'd be so great. Continue. You should get Carlos to draw that. Maybe I will. What I like about the Wendigo is the time period, and that it's always hungry. It's never satisfied. And to me, it reads as a really great metaphor. Let me just get this out, Marissa, for capitalism. And since it came about from Native American culture, which was tainted by European colonization and the rise of capitalism. All right, I see. It. I feel like there's kind of an interesting connection there. All right, so I can see that. The, while while it is originally thought that the Windigo tale was uh, basically made. <laughs> That's a cautionary tale to teach Native Americans not to eat other people. Oh, wow. I'm, <laughs> that Which, I'm sure that's white people coming up with that conclusion. I hope so. It, I think it does serve a sort of purpose because what it's really trying to do is say that if, if anything consumes you too much, you're basically going to turn into a monster and you're going yeah. to kind of want more and more and more. So, as you asked, there is a movie that came out in 2001 it's very mediocre 
and it is called Wendigo, W-E-N. Um, it features the monster and no cannibalism, and the representation of the monster in this particular movie is a little bit closer to that warrior spirit that mm-hmm. helps and protects people. Basically, the gist of the monster in this movie is that the Wendigo is uh, an angry spirit of nature. And so there are uh, silhouettes of it looking like what you've seen on the internet, but mm-hmm. in in direct contact, it's actually like sticks and roots and that things. That sounds so stupid. So um, it stars <clears throat> the youngest son on Malcolm in the Middle, um, and it also has Patricia Clarkson. There's a guy in it too, but you know he's forgettable. Hey, <laughs> and uh, it's not a very good movie, but it is available on Amazon Prime if you'd like to watch it. There's another one that I really wanted to watch, um, which is not the 1995 one, because that sort of looks like a schlocky horror-type movie. Uh, but I wanted to watch the other one, which really looks like a Windigo psychosis-type thing, where a father on a camping trip kind of uh, loses his mind. If there's like a, a showtime... No, not showtime... A Skinamax version. Do you think it'd be called Wendigogo? Not porn, but just like softcore. Would it be Wendigogo? The like go go girls that are Wendigo. So, excuse me. Did you just you, try to bypass what I just said? Yeah, I was trying to build off of it a bit. Okay. Uh, what I found pretty interesting, and I really was so excited to share it with you, Marissa, is that when I typed into Google Wendigo monster. It auto-completed High Doll, what? and I was no, like, no. "Oh, oh, oh, wait, oh, oh!" I got confused what you're saying. What is there? But a it turns out, it turns out that it's not real. It's a fan-made doll oh, that man. you have to click an agreement to say that you are willing to view sensitive content on Deviant Art if you want to see is what the Wendigo. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'll say first. I think it is a waste that they don't have a Wendigo Monster ah, High doll because so her name many. could be really Wendigo. <laughs> I'm going to tell you enough that you're going to want to look it up, Rissa. Basically, it's some other Monster High doll with like a leaf taped over its head. Um, and someone drew with a marker breasts oh, <laughs> onto it. it. And it's really... Uh, Sad. <laughs> See, I was gonna say that is a missed opportunity because there is a monster high doll that looks like a fawn. I don't know what it's a building off of, but if they just like, and it has antlers, I think. If they just like made that creepier, that could have. They just put like bones coming out of its chest and like blood dripping. To your question about the Gogo movie, um, I think it's like it. Oh, there goes Wendy Go. She's the Wendigo. <laughs> It just makes okay. sense to me. I don't know why somebody wouldn't have tapped into that. Now, for the record, uh, Wendigos have also appeared in Charmed, Supernatural, Grimm, Hannibal, various video games. It was the subject of a few other movies. And it is also apparently a character in Marvel Comics that sometimes throws down with Wolverine, you know, Ooh, Wilderness. Oh, I that up. Cool. And also the Incredible Hulk. Okay, I'll ask my brother. Any other questions about the old Wendigo? I think... You need to go into Wikipedia and, like, really make it clear that Wendigo and Wendigo are not the same because they mention a lot of the points you bring up, but it makes it seem like they're interchangeable. And a lot of people seem to find it interchangeable. There's also a Wendigo song that I promised to cut into this, but I can't play it for you now. Can you sing it for me now? No. 
I sang the bunny that's going to get you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It's a Native American song, and I don't want to seem racist. Valid. I'll accept that, okay? <laughs> Mercy, if you had to be a Wendigo or a Bunyip, which would you be? Um, Wendigos look cooler, but they sound more stressful. So a Bunyip. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I think you won me over with the word stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, some days I feel like I'm hungry all day anyway, and I'm not happy with that. Why would I want that all the time? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> But look at the bunny picture later that I sent to you, which I found out that it's like under a bridge in Australia. Someone made like a fake bunyip and they updated it through the years. But the one I sent you, I think, is the original bunyip. And it's so like low budget and it like low budget 70s things is scarier than a Wendigo to me. Although I would be happy to go to a like a park or a carnival that exclusively had only these things in it. I would want to go, but I would maybe, like, stop every so often to throw up or cry. The previous and, picture is original Bunyip with baby. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's <laughs> horrifying. No, I'm not even joking. Like, there's something where, like, I'd want to face my fear, but it would haunt me. I would cry. I would start crying if I saw that. What do you think is scarier? Probably the Wendigo, I assume. Because the Bunyip seems like it could be a lot of things. And I don't really know what the Bunyip's motivation is. We don't know. The Bunyip is a, is a mystery. The Wendigo thing? There's. Uh, I feel bad because I wanted to make a point to write this down, but I forgot. There's another monster that's very similar, looks very similar, everything like that. It's part of the Skinwalker camp. This monster... Yeah, it's Skinwalker. This is very <laughs> creepy, too. Continue. This particular monster takes kids when it's cold and just leaves them in the middle of nowhere so I that they die. Like- takes kids when it's cold and makes a coat out of their skin. I, that would be creepier. But, like, I feel like it's terrifying that you just take a kid and you just leave it there. And then you, that's what, like go scary, get a cheeseburger. It's kind of anticlimactic. Like, it's like you could have done more with that. That's what makes it scarier to me. That means, like, I'm, like, this monster's a psychopath because it's not even doing anything. Yeah, I don't like that. It finds kids that are hot and puts them in a house without air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, it takes hot kids and it puts them in a house with air conditioning. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. <laughs> You're going to turn into a Wendigo tonight. Hey, Jared, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gross. Marissa. Uh-huh. Do you have any closing cryptid thoughts before we get to our plugs? I have a bunch, but I got tipsy and I forgot them all. All right, that's fair. But when I get off, just know, guys, when we're done, I'm going to go Google skinwalkers a whole bunch. And and large sea creatures and just stare at them. They don't even need to be cryptid. They just need to be real sea creatures that are large and I want to die. Oh my gosh. Oh, when I think of giant squids and whales. Oh, this world is disgusting. It's time for plugs. So what I want to plug this week is... uh, (laughs) I wanted to plug... Marissa, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. I'm sure you didn't because you're a much busier person than me. But holy crap, 
the Maya Rudolph Fred Armisen show <gasps> forever on Amazon. on Amazon. Blew my mind. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. Will I enjoy it? I think so. Okay, Except it cool. is sad. And I'm not saying it blew, like if you've watched it, listener, and you're like, oh, that blew his mind. I'm not saying it blew my mind because of the thing that you're not supposed to give away when you talk about the show. Or the but vet. like, it felt very, very real to me. And it was a difficult show to watch for that reason, but it was also very affecting and very fun. And I enjoy, well, <laughs> fun's not the right word, but I enjoyed watching it. I also enjoyed the book Passing for Human by Liana Fink for the same reason. And you should check out both okay. of those. I'm going to plug an old show. I just watched American Horror Story Coven. Yeah, how's that going? I just uh, caught your recap of the first three episodes on the last show. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. I finished it. I binged it in a couple of days. Uh, that was awesome. It was amazing. I recommend it. If you like watch Murder House and you're like, eh, I don't feel like watching anymore, skip ahead and just watch Coven. It's really great. I have to wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> What? I loved Coven. I fell asleep most nights while watching it. Also, uh, <laughs> just so you judge whether you wanted to find And Hulk let me just say, Marissa. He likes bad sci-fi movies. I'm let me just say this. Channel. Stevie Nicks. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> that was too horned in it, but I liked it. I and... believe it was the next season or the season after that. But I like the one where they did the reality show. That one was. Yeah, but in... I can't watch that. I heard it's really gory. It's far and away my favorite season after the first one. By the way, guys, I make Pete tell me, like, if I want to watch something, I make Pete, like, vet it for me. For Well, I don't make him. I, he usually watches things I want to see, and I'm like, can I watch it or not? And he tells me if I can or not, because I'm a baby and can handle gore. The other thing I'm going to plug is the Bunyip video. <laughs> Google the Bunyip dot in the kangaroo, or maybe just the Bunyip song, and it should come up. And uh, rock out to that. Maybe I'll tack it on at the end of the show here. Okay. Sounds good. It's the most unpleasant monster that you have ever seen. Let's all Google that. I, it's surprising that you don't know who he is. He's very theatrical. He I've heard his is name. Like, he's like a musical Neil Gaiman. <gasps> you know what? No, no, no. I'm lying. I think I know one song by Nick Cave. He's written books. He's done, you know, Red Right Hand is one of the Nick, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds popular songs. They yeah, don't have I a lot of popular ones. Sadly, I only knew a Nick Cave song because I think it might have been Kat Von D's wedding song and I saw it when Probably. I watched the wedding. Do you remember which one it was? Into My Arms or something? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> that's yep, the one I yep. thought it was going to be because yep, it's cliche it and boring for a goth to do that at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She sang it to her husband who was wearing a veil. Anyway... Well, everybody, have a great week ahead. It looks like this show's going to be over an hour, so thanks Ooh, for shooting. Thanks I'm for sorry. hanging in. My stories were very long today. No, no. Everybody loves our show. Mm. Right, guys? Thank you, You can call Juan and, and let Mike. us know. 570-POD-WOD-1. That is 570-POD-WOD-1. 
Um, we did get another voicemail on the old voice phone thingy. Tell me. It is another person seeking a real estate deal with us. And so <laughs> we keep getting robocalls and that's it. Well, since nobody called in <laughs> to tell me I'm overwhelming, I'm to assume I'm not overwhelming. Did you get any DMs from people no, that you no, said if you don't think DMs, I'm overwhelming? you bitches. Start sliding. Whatever. You're right. Have a good night, guys. Yeah, bye. bye. Yeah, hi. Hi.